I want to know the truth. This world offers me more confusion than answers. What does it mean to live in truth and follow Jesus? Who is he calling us to be? He has given us his word to find exactly what we are looking for. He is what we need. Good morning. It is a great day to worship the King. Come on. Amen. So glad to see you guys here. And uh, today, it's going to be kind of a uh, little informal, interactive time uh, with our staff guys here. We're going to talk about gratitude today. Gratitude is a choice. Being thankful is a, is a choice, right? Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord, it's a choice. And uh, we're going to step into that today. If you're visiting, welcome to the cross. We're so glad to have you. The easiest way to kind of access who we are is through our website, thecrossloganville.org. If you'll go there, you'll find a ton of information. You'll find a guest card. If you would fill that out, we would love to send you information on the variety of ministries and things happening here, as well as uh, you'll find all of our previous sermons. We just finished our What Is series. Was that not good? It was an incredible time for us. We'll move in uh, next week more to an Advent theme throughout December. But all of our previous sermons are there, the Version Bible app, all the stuff that we utilize is on the startup page. Take advantage of that, if you will. Rick's going to kick us off today, and we're going to talk, brother, just about being thankful and being just really appreciative to what God's done in our lives. Amen? Mm-hmm. Morning, Cross family. Like Tim said, I'm usually a little better at this. Um, like Tim said, my name is Rick. Uh, I'm the pastor of Student Ministries, and uh, I'm going to be talking about thankfulness for uh, being able to be a student of Jesus, the opportunity that everybody has to be a student of Jesus. Uh, myself, my friends, I'm thankful that my family has that opportunity, that even people I don't get along with um, have the opportunity to be a student of Jesus. Um, and I know that sounds like a really churchy answer to give. I'm a pastor, okay? Um, but it's kind of like a few uh, nights ago, Ethan Rampersad, our friend, was driving us back from the airport. And on 316, I love this about Georgia, there's this big yellow and black billboard, okay? Not the Waffle House, uh, not the Dollar General. Uh, but it just says Jesus without punctuation. And uh, Ethan says, oh, it's the Sunday school answer. And what he means is, if you're ever in a Sunday school class and you look up and everybody's looking at you because you were asked a question, even if you don't know what that question was, you can say Jesus, and there's a pretty decent chance you're right, okay? So I I understand that it sounds churchy for me to give an answer like this on gratitude, but the reason I became a pastor in the first place is because uh, I value discipleship very much. I agree with Dallas Willard when he says that the most important issue facing the world today is if Christians become disciples, students, apprentices of Jesus, learning how to live from him, the life of the kingdom of God in every corner of human existence. That's kind of what I want to focus on today, is bringing that life in the kingdom of God into every corner of human existence. So uh, some of you guys know I grew up in Florida, the West Palm, Lake Worth area in high school. Uh, I'd surf every day after school. It was great. Uh, But that being said, 
because that was like the peak of life at that point, time not spent surfing was kind of, I, I thought of it as wasted, right? Food had to happen, eating had to happen so I could surf later. Sleep had to happen so I could surf later. Um, going to school was important so you don't get picked up by a truancy officer at the beach and you can't go surfing, right? Um, and even a few weeks ago, we're driving back from the beach, uh, my family and I, and as we're driving through, you know, Kara's probably thinking about important things, and in my mind, I'm allowing myself to have uh, thought experiments like, what would be the cheapest, least time-consuming way to get back to the beach and go surfing? And first thought was, Drew flies planes. I might be able to parachute out as he's headed somewhere else into the water. That'd be fun. Um, not practical. Uh, but then I thought, okay, the absolute cheapest I could do it is leaving at 10 p.m. on Friday night. Wouldn't have to miss work. 10 p.m. on Friday night, the kids are already asleep. I could drive for a few hours, uh, end up in the Walmart parking lot of a beach in Florida, uh, sleep with a carbon monoxide detector on my chest, okay, so I don't like, you know, get killed by that, uh, and bear mace. Uh, Dustin reminded me that there's more dangers in a Walmart parking lot than just carbon monoxide. Uh, <laughs> and, yes, amen, it's for real. Um, and, uh, you know, get up, it, it's, you know, sun up, surf for a few hours, get home before 7, you know, I'd barely even be missed, you know, and I could, I told Kara this, and she did not approve, okay, at all, and so I told my friend Danny Joyner, who's an accountant, and he also mildly disapproved, he says, I think it's a little harder than you think it's going to be to do that, I told my missionary friend, uh, Ronnie, you know, who's on staff here, we know Ronnie, uh, he said, you should do that, and I realized accountants and missionaries think differently uh, <laughs> about certain things. Uh, but that being said, that's a pretty extreme example, but the reality is if we look at our own lives, we have kind of certainly favored parts of the calendar of the year of the week much higher than others. There's certain parts of our week uh, that we enjoy much more, that we find more meaning or purpose with. For a lot of folks, career is it. We love being at work. You, it's interesting. Um, your identity might come from that. Your sense of purpose and well-being might come from that. Uh, for some, it's a relationship with when you're with one person, you just, that's the best part of the week sort of thing. And while to some degree this, this is good, of course, um, if those become the main places where we feel joy, it's a very dangerous uh, strategy for a fulfilled life. And one of my favorite things about discipleship to Jesus is that any given moment of life, the boring stuff, the drudgery, as uh, chores, as in addition to the highest moments of your life, we can ask this question, which redeems what we would not want to be, you know, in for very long and maximizes the best parts of life. When we ask the question, how would Jesus relate to this situation if he were in my position? And so uh, the opposite of living a life that says, how can I get back to this thing that I love to do or I can't wait to get to work the next day or whatever, while neglecting other really important parts of life is uh, the, an example that I think balances that quite a bit is by a, a guy named Brother Lawrence, who was a monk who lived a few hundred years ago. And so monks, you know, they take a vow of celibacy, vow of poverty, he's not getting married. He's joining a group of other Christian brothers who are learning how to serve the Lord together. They're trying to work this out. And so um, he, Brother Lawrence realizes that, I mean, he, he, he likes to pray, he likes to go to the church services, but his mind wanders, you know? Um, he reads the scripture for sure, he does these valuable things, he serves the poor, all of these are important. But it was in the boring moments of like washing the dishes because a house full of 50 guys, someone has to wash the dishes, right? Um, he is 
realizing that he can connect with the Lord most during these times that other people would say, I just wish that wasn't a part of my life, right? The parts that we try uh, to rush through. And so uh, Dallas Willard uh, says that one of the most, uh, he says the most obviously best kept secret of the spiritual life is that the ordinary is the receptacle of the divine, meaning the, the normal parts of life that we don't even pay attention to. We kind of wake up after we finished a task. That was the place God was at as well. And he can form our heart, soul, mind, and strength to become consistent with his, to be aligned with his in those moments. And in even doing little things, little chores, what we're doing is um, taking advantage of the limited amount of power that God has given us to actually put love into the space that we're in. Uh, he would do things in a certain way. And this is, I would say, the majority of where uh, Christ forms us. So I'm very thankful um, that we, we have that framework to try to do that all at once would be exhausting, it would be overwhelming. But the framework of apprenticeship to Jesus tells us, no matter what you're doing, look at any point on your calendar and in that moment ask, how would Jesus do this in my position? Invites your mind to attend to the Holy Spirit in a way that would be really difficult otherwise. So, all right, thank you guys. One of the things that, uh, <clears throat> as I was kind of listening to Rick last service and this service as well, is um, just a, a definition of discipleship that, that I've held on to for a long time is um, doing the best that I can to help you grow in your walk with Jesus while I do the best that I can to grow in my own walk with him. And, you know, that's just a simple way of putting, um, you know, just, just how you can grow in your walk with him, how you can do that. One of the things I'm most thankful for and grateful for is growing up in a house that loved the Lord. You know, having my parents who are here in this service now um, raise my sisters and I um, in a way that honored the Lord. Uh, just seeing my mom teach uh, fourth grade Sunday school for over 20 years, uh, fourth grade girls. Um, seeing her prepare for that um, during the week in the evenings or on a Saturday evening when I'd get home and she would be up late just still studying, getting ready for the next day to be able to teach and to invest in that next generation. Um, just through the years, the number of people who have uh, been influenced by uh, her through those years of teaching uh, j just still is amazing. I still have people that come and t tell me that my mom was their fourth grade girl Sunday school teacher, you know, years ago. Um, in fact, one of the guys that's working with me now in Arkansas, his wife uh, was in her fourth grade Sunday school class. And so it's cool to see just that investment. I'm thankful that I was raised in a house that my dad uh, made sure that we were uh, always in church growing up. Um, there were times I would spend a night with a buddy and he would say, that's fine, but you'll be sitting with us at church Sunday morning. No problem. And he made it clear. That was one of the things that was just an expectation. Um, I remember in sixth grade, uh, me and a couple of buddies, uh, dipped out, uh, of big church and we're skipping big church. Um, you know, hiding in the graveyard and in the parking lot until, uh, Mr. Richard Clay came and found us, grabbed us by the ears and drug us into the service. Um, got my parents and gave them to, uh, gave me to them. Um, 
uh, on that Sunday morning. And I remember my dad always was against working on Sundays. However, I'm pretty sure that that day he had a ditch that needed to be dug that Sunday afternoon all the way through the evening. And he was being sure that I was disciplined enough to go out and to do that work because I had skipped church that morning. And so, um, you know, there was always uh, just the, the opportunity for growth in the discipleship um, just in growing up in a godly household. A close friend of mine that was in the last service was telling me about, um, you know, his, his parents were the same way, very disciplined with him and his, his multiple brothers and sisters. And, um, you know, one day they were supposed to be cutting the grass before they were to go and do something else. And they were arguing over who was going to cut the grass. And so he said that their dad took him out behind the, the, the pig shed, okay, and uh, literally they had pigs everywhere. And so they took him out behind the pig shed, cut a switch, and, and whipped them both. And so I said, what did you guys do when it came to cutting the grass? He said they stood side by side and they pushed the lawnmower side by side and cut the whole yard with a push mower side by side because neither one of them would have stopped and take a chance of getting another whooping. You know, that's one of those things that, you know, as you grow up in a uh, house that fears the Lord, you grow up with, with parents and you grow up in a way that honors the Lord, you're able to continue to invest in that way with others. Uh, my wife and I are doing the same way, same thing. We're, we're raising our kids um, the best that we know how uh, with a love for the Lord, which uh, prayerfully will be seen and also modeled by our own kids one day, um, being able to show uh, what that looks like to them. I like to think that we've come a long way since we started here about six, six, a little bit over six years ago. On our first Sunday, as uh, the church was introducing uh, my wife and my family uh, to the church from the position that I, I stepped into here um, as executive pastor, uh, my six-year-old, almost six-year-old son was crawling around on all fours, barking like a dog all over the stage, um, you know, which was very entertaining for those of you who were here at that point. Um, I'd like to think we've come a long way, uh, but let's be honest, he's almost 12 years old, and if he was in here now, he'd be on the stage doing the same thing. We just know that. If you know my son, Jack, you guys know that he is uh, a loving handful, that is for sure, full of energy. So um, there's a passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 that has always been dear to me, and it's a passage that I've held on to, uh, you know, that that. Part of it is easy. Part of it is pretty difficult to do. Um, it says this in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And as I think through that, as you, you break that verse down, verse 16 says, you know, to rejoice always. That's not always the easiest thing to do is to rejoice when you're going through difficult circumstances or situations, um, you know, especially when you may be going through sickness or dealing with somebody in your family that has sickness going on. It could be financial distress. It could be just turmoil of relationships or heartbreak, even death or uh, even, you know, the, 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 the death of a close family member or friend. When we walk through those things, it's hard to rejoice sometimes, um, you know, when we go through those difficult circumstances. But the reason why we can rejoice is because we don't have to walk through that alone. When we have a relationship with Jesus, that he's there with us. He gives us the opportunity to walk through whatever we're walking through with him. And he gives us the opportunity to be able to do life uh, with him and with others around us as well. 
Verse 17 literally says, pray continually. To pray continually is one of those things that we, we um, can have that conversation ongoing with God through his Holy Spirit, to continually talk with him, to have those conversations that are more than what I just call uh, high school prayer theology. Um, which looked a little bit like this. I don't know if you grew up kind of like I did in high school, um, but my high school prayer theology sounded like, uh, Lord, help me to pass this test. Um, you know I didn't study. Uh, you know I didn't pay attention in class. Heck, Lord, you know I wasn't even in class for most of the time. That's just part of it. Uh, but help me to pass this test, and it, it turns and it grows into being able to really, truly rely on the Lord, seeking wisdom, seeking guidance, seeking direction, praying and asking uh, for him to work in others' lives and other situations, being able to pray continually, uh, moving into that daily conversation with him this all day long, just thanking him for those blessings, seeking that guidance and that wisdom and petitioning him on the behalf of others. Uh, you know, it's a joy to be able to see so many people that we have here that, man, they live this out. Uh, one of the guys that lives out rejoicing always and praying continuously and giving thanks in all circumstances, which is the last part of that verse, um, is, you know, Boniface. It's a guy who serves with us. He was in the first service. He's the one that he gets here on almost every Sunday morning. And he puts the, the cones out in the parking lot at 730 in the morning. Um, you know, he's an older gentleman who, um, you know, many probably don't know, but he's been dealing with cancer for the last several months. Um, he went through chemo for, uh, the last six weeks, uh, finished it up about a week and a half ago. Um, you know, and I've had the opportunity to talk with him very, very regularly and pray with him and just to see that joy that he has, no matter what, in all circumstances that he's giving thanks to be able to see that he is physically living this passage out. It's an encouragement to see. Uh, he came up after the first service um, during the prayer time and, and had the opportunity to pray with him, you know, even then. And just to be able to hear just that joy that he has uh, for the Lord, no matter what the circumstance or the situation. He called me this week because um, he's been displaced. He's had to move uh, from the place that he was staying um, and, you know, he's had to move uh, in with some family in Stone Mountain. And so for the last two weeks, he hasn't been able to make it to church. And he called me this past week just to apologize for not being able to be here and that he missed it so much. And so when I saw him this morning, I walked over to him in the cafe and I asked him, I said, Boniface, did you find a place this close to, to where we, you know, close to here to be able to live? And he said, no, I'm still in Stone Mountain, but I'd missed two Sundays and I wasn't going to miss again. And so I drove over here from Stone Mountain and I won't miss again, you know, and it's just, it's amazing to see the countenance that he has and the desire he has to just to serve, to follow the Lord, and to live out that rejoice always, pray continuously, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Giving thanks in all circumstances can be tough sometimes as well. Um, you know, there's some circumstances that we walk through that are not quite easy to give thanks in. Um, it's not the first thing that we would do, but yet if we live our life and have the heart of humility and the willingness to walk with Jesus through everything that we're going through, then it'll help you to take it all in stride. It helps us to be able to um, rely on him to know that we are not alone and we don't have to be alone, but we have other brothers and sisters. We have other helpmates. We have others that we can do life with, and we have God himself and the Holy Spirit that we can lean into and can be encouraged by and to be able to uh, be thankful for that. 
and that's what gets us through just the, the, the different life circumstances that we go through. I'm very thankful for my family, my church family, um, as well as our staff. Uh, the team that we have here is phenomenal. Um, you know, just the, the way that we can do life together, which it is more of a family atmosphere, even being on staff uh, with our team, that it is a workplace environment. And I'm thankful for that. Um, even thankful for those uh, like Nick Slade, especially. Thank you, bro. Uh, Lisa and I uh, recently went, a friend of ours had had a baby, and we were bringing them dinner, and she was telling us the story of their Thanksgiving dinner, and she said uh, the, the turkey wasn't done yet, and so grandma says to grandpa, go stall, right, go entertain all the family for a minute because it's going to be like another hour or something, and uh so grandpa comes in and not generally a big spiritual gathering, but he's like, how do you stall on Thanksgiving? Let's tell each other what we're thankful for. Let's throw it out, okay? And she said, you know, I felt like, oh, God, this is going to be rough. Some of these people I don't see except for right now, all year long, you know? What am I going to do? And she said, by the end, we were all crying. It was a beautiful time that was, we're just stalling for the turkey but all of a sudden we're touched because people are expressing their thanks to their family around them. So before I really get into what I'm going to say, I just want to ask you, do you do that to the people in your family and then your, your friends, those close relationships? Do you tell them how thankful you are for them? Do you know how meaningful that is? You know, when we moved here, um, our family is very close with the Cashes, as you can imagine, and they have a tradition of doing birthday blessings, where when it's your birthday, it can feel awkward, right? You basically sit in a room, and the whole everybody goes around and looks at you and says, this is what I'm thankful for about you. This, you are so, such a blessing to me this way. This became such a big part of my family. My oldest daughter, Julia, is like, that's not a birthday unless you do birthday blessings. Like, she's the only one who never felt awkward about it, Right? But it's such a beautiful thing in that time to recognize what is so unique about each individual, how God made you, the way you serve, all of these things. We can reach out that thanks, extend it to those people in our lives, and it's so simple. And sometimes it's going to feel cheesy. Sometimes it's going to feel awkward. It's worth it. I promise you. And as we were given this assignment of, we want to talk a little bit about gratitude and about thanks. I don't know if, if it's because we have dealt with a lot of death this year. We've done a lot of funerals. But the Lord kept speaking to me about the gratitude for the relationships in my life. And there are many. And there's deep ones and there's shallow ones. And they all have a unique purpose and I'm so thankful for each one. I have a small group here on Wednesdays. Um, a few guys here, Ronnie Brassfield runs it. I'm so thankful for that group. I'll be honest, it's hard to go sometimes because you got a lot going on. It's in the middle of the week, and I have to go, all right, I need to separate here. And honestly, I have other responsibilities here on Wednesday, so it makes it frantic. But I've never regretted being in that room. Sometimes getting up to that moment 
like here's a better use of my time maybe. But I get in those room in that room with those brothers and I leave there and go, that's right. And it's a battle. And relationship is really about risk, right? I'm going to put myself out there, be a little exposed, but this is where you'll really know people. You'll know what makes them hurt, what makes them come alive. And you can be on the journey together, right? We say life's done in circles, not in rows. I want to see you face to face. I want to know who you are. And that's what we do in that group. And when I think about relationships, this might feel like a cop-out, <laughs> but I promise it's not. I'm so thankful for my wife. We have been married 23 and a half years. I know what you're thinking. You're way too young to be married that long. That's because we got married in the seventh grade. <laughs> we did get married young, but um, I'm telling you without a doubt, and I asked her before I was going to say this, our relationship is better today than it's ever been. And some of us buy a lie that says, oh, this is my wife, and we just kind of, you know, we just do life together, and, and we're just going to get things done, and we're not going to know each other all that well. We all change, and, and all these things, and, and the good days were the early days, and then kids come, and it's chaos. That is crap. And if you believe it, that's exactly where you're going to go. But if you don't, if you say, no, I'm going to make this better every single day. And it's so simple. It's so simple. I was trying to think, why is it better today? And this is a hard tactic if you have tiny little kids because it's chaos. But when your kids are, my kids are 20 and about to be 17, we do this thing like where we take micro dates where I say, like, I got to run to Dollar General and get two cans of something. And she'll go, I'll go with you. And we just ride together. And we're not on our phone. We might be talking about something important. We might just be driving and holding hands. No, no response to that. No, no, aw. Oh, that's so cute. Y'all are so cute. Okay, it's okay. You're right. You can't. It's too late. It's too late. Okay. But it's these tiny little things. So I've held her hand walking into a Dollar General. I've also held her hand walking into friends of ours' house. Their marriage is about to blow up. And we've done it together, though. And so I'm a student of that lady right there. And I'm a happy student. <laughs> I want to know what makes her hurt. I want to know what makes her come alive. And I look at her, and I know her better now than I did yesterday. But I hope in a year I know her even better then. Because she's worth it. That is a gift from God to me. And some of you know our story, but it is a, some crazy, jagged lines that are all cut up that in her family that brought her to me. Impossible for me to orchestrate. It's such a gift. When it comes to this idea of being thankful for a relationship, I, I have to come to the Lord. I say, God, thank you that I'm not alone, that you walk along with me, that you want more than just some words I say that bring me to salvation, you want relationship with me. 
and he knows every single thing about me. There's no place I can hide. So when I come into this book and I'm reading and studying, it's not so I can regurgitate something back to you and you can think I'm smart. I'm studying the one who loves me. Because he wants to walk alongside me. And I don't want to pick something lesser because it's easy or be able to, it's, it's my job to be a Christian, so I have to know all this stuff. That's not why I'm learning it. That's not why I study it. I'm studying it because I want to know the one who loves me, who wants to guide me. Don't skip over the relationship side of this. We've said this for so long in America that I have a personal relationship with God. It becomes dull on your ears when you realize that the creator of all things says, hey, I treasure you. I long to be gracious with you. Will you trust me? Will you walk with me? You know, my niece and nephew, um, they live with us right now. They moved here from California. And I had this image in my mind because they do what all kids do. They walk up to their giant uncle and they step on my feet like this and they hold my hands. And they're just like, tell me to walk. Sometimes when I don't have shoes on, it hurts really bad, but I won't complain. But this is kind of like walking with God. It's like, Lord, I just want to get up there. You know the way. Take me. Take me. Because it is relationship. Be grateful. Express your gratitude to the people around you who you care for. You don't know when the last time is you're going to talk to them. I'm not trying to be morbid, but you don't. Bless them. Bless them. And be blessed in your relationship with the Lord. That's good. That's right on. Every person in this room, you guys watching online, please memorize 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Dustin read it. Please listen to me. The shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five, 35, and it says, Jesus wept. This is a very, very short three-verse passage. Always, always. We never use the word always and never in marriage because it can be detrimental. God can use the word always. Always rejoice in the Lord. Always pray and talk to the Lord. Always give thanks to the Lord because he's good. Always. When you were reading that, I was like, that is such a crucial always kind of statement. Always. I was sharing with our small group last Sunday night, and I love and I'm so thankful for our small group. Chris, Julie, you guys know it. Dallas and Sandy, the three of us are kind of leading this small group with Seth and Katie and and Caitlin and Luke and uh, Dan and Emily and Morgan and Cal and there's more, right? I, I don't know where David and Jenna are. There's more. But I love our small group. But I was sharing with them that Barb's dad, when he fell and he fractured his skull, his brain shifted, he began to bleed out. So that happened on Wednesday night. He passes away on Thursday. And Barb and her mom are leaving the hospital. And Barb goes, I'm going to stay with mom. Do you need me there? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. 
So she spent the night with her mom on Thursday night. I checked on Barb multiple times on Friday. Do you want me to come over? No, I'm really good. And then she comes home Friday night. She gets home at about 1030. And Hannah was outside with me. And when your mom drove into the driveway and she opened the car door, she collapsed in my arms. And she sobbed at a solistic level that I had never experienced theme with her before. I'm talking about heartbroken. And she's trying to talk, but she couldn't catch her breath even to communicate really words. And I held her. For three or four minutes, I just held her. And she sobbed. And she sobbed. And she made this statement to me later. She goes, I've been strong for everybody else. But I knew I didn't have to be strong for you. But she sobbed. We walked into the house. She began crying more. I hold her. In the 33 years, this Friday will be 33 years of marriage with Barb. I can promise you, in 33 years, that was the most intimate moment that I can remember ever in my covenant with my wife. It was trust. It was love. It was pain. It was reflection. It was a bonding moment. As Nick was talking about his relationship with Lisa, Dustin and Aaron, incredible people, great marriage, Rick and Kara. When you think about the, te- the strongest testimony that we have to share with you guys is our life, our walk with God, is our wife that we're in covenant with, and really our kids. Whether we're strong proclaimers of truth and can quote whatever or sing whatever, the thing that we bring to the dance is really seeking to live a life of holiness and purity to God, to really be in a strong covenant relationship with our wives, and to really try to shepherd and train and raise up the next generation to walk with the Lord. Rejoice always. Can I tell you, I look back at that Friday night, even that Saturday morning again, of holding Barb and walking with Barb, and I rejoice in that moment. James would write, Consider it joy when you encounter trials of different types. Consider it joy. Gratitude is a choice with the right attitude of not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sound judgment, with a posture of heart that is servant. Pray always. That's what the word without ceasing literally means. A person asked me recently, if you had to focus on one, prayer or reading scripture, which one would you focus on? And I said, my question to you would be, is it more important to focus on inhaling or exhaling? When we dive into the word, we're inhaling, right? We're taking in the word of God, the counsel of God. But prayer is also that spiritual breathing of exhaling to the Lord. And sometimes it includes words and sometimes it doesn't. 
you've got to inhale and exhale for your body to thrive and flourish. Pray. And all things, always, just give thanks. Why? Because God is even in the midst of adversity, pain, and suffering. As Rick was talking about, Brother Lawrence, even washing dishes, Lord, how, how do I glorify you doing this? A lot of times, Dana, we find the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the compassion of God in the midst of our affliction, adversity, suffering, and pain. God has grown me personally more through those difficulties because I lean into him more. So when you go through it, Ray, with the adversity that you face, and I love you and I'm so thankful for you, but when you go through that, Michelle, and you guys are walking this trail, you go, we have a choice to make here. Are we going to rejoice in the Lord? Are we going to pray and really press into the Lord? And are we going to give thanks for what we're going through right now? My friend Ashley Moore and her partner who are uh, missionaries down in Panama, they were here back earlier this year. We're having coffee, Hannah, and the two girls, Ashley and her friend, we were having coffee at Coffee Camper down in Monroe, and one of the girls looked at me and said, as a dad, as a dad, how do you process the pain of watching Hannah have to go through cystic fibrosis where she is knocked down at times? How do you handle that as a dad? And I said, I look at my own life. How do you handle meniscus surgery? How do you handle elbow surgery? How do you handle shoulder surgery? How do you handle having to have your tonsils removed and appendectomy, all this stuff that I went through? I'm like, I learned to trust the Lord in the midst of my own adversity. So instead of feeling sorry for her, for what she's going through, I feel grateful for her, for who she's turning to. Do you, do you hear me? What do you turn to? And for so many people in our culture, they turn toward substance abuse, numbing. They turn to all these other detrimental saviors, if you will, and it leaves us in more pain. So when I look at my baby girl and even my son, Caleb, who battles greatly, I look and go, present to the Lord, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your condition is not accidental. It's providential. God is going to use this to shape you into becoming the woman of God that he desires you to be. We all go through affliction. Let me marry 1 Thessalonians 5 with Philippians chapter 4. Listen to me on this. The apostle Paul is incarcerated. He's in a damp dungeon, Roman jail cell, sewage infected. And Paul would write this as he 
wraps up his letter to the believers in Philippi. And he makes this statement. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. First Thessalonians, rejoice. And then Paul would say, do, don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't get all strung out with worry and fear and anxiety. But in everything and everything and everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then he says, whatever is pure, right, holy, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, whatever is of good report, let your mind dwell on these things. If you take Philippians 4 with 1 Thessalonians 5, what you're going to find is, what is your identity in? What, what are you going to press into as you do life? I'm going to press into the Lord. Who are you going to talk to when you're going through all the snags and turmoil and death and disease and all these difficulties? I'm going to talk to the Lord. What is going to be your attitude when you go through this? I'm, I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to give thanks. And so today, I would encourage you, write down like five things. Sit there before the Lord and go, Lord, here are five things that I am very thankful for. Write down the what, what you're thankful for. And then write down why you're thankful for those five things. It can be relationships as you talked about, Dustin, with your, your mom and dad that brought you up in the faith. Same thing, Nick, knowing your parents, Rick, knowing your parents, even looking at our kids, man, that, that, that's where our hearts go, right? We want to see our kids flourish. Remember when Rick and Kara got here, Kara, y'all just had little Ricky, and now there's three more added to the equation, and you've got four, and you can't have five unless you have four, Rick, so uh, <laughs> that's, that's, you can't have five unless you have four, so... Kara, sorry about that. Rick, Rick's heard from the Lord, and he wants at least five. But we love our families, right? And so you may want to center in on some of those relationships. We're a relational community here. If you've been attending for just a few weeks or maybe for a long period of time, we, we genuinely know each other, and we get to do life with each other. I'm thankful so thankful for Drew and Teresa when you guys first came in here. And Teresa, that now you and Drew are serving and participating and partners in the body, like making a huge contribution to the growth of not, not only in your own lives and family, but to, to others. I'm, I'm so thankful for Chad and Elaine who've been here with me pretty much the whole journey. I could go through every individual pretty much in this room. But your friendship and your partnership and the benevolent hearts that you guys have and stepping in there to see restoration of marriages with so many, you guys are servants, man. It's so cool to see. I look at John Mark, and I'm just so thankful, John Mark, for you and Kim. I mean, brother, to see you, I mean, really drive the stake in the ground and say, I'm following Jesus. And to see your heart to serve and to see your heart, man, 
to really want to see the underdog, man, have a chance. And not only your partnership with KOZ, which is such a vital ministry here, but to see you guys step into a, a role of leading a small group. You never would have thought you would be doing that four years ago. But it's a risk, right? It's a risk of being known. It's a risk of being vulnerable. My buddy Vic, who's sitting right behind you, I love Vic. And from the time Vic says, man, it's time for me to get my life right, and Vic surrenders to the Lord. We text it with each other pretty much every week, Vic and I do. And so Vic not only surrenders, but he starts bringing other people. There's been four or five people that we baptized just in the last month as a result of his obedience to step into this walk with the Lord. Do, do you, 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 you get how God can work? Even in the midst of going through divorce and difficulty and pain, bam, I got to get back. And he started rejoicing in the Lord. You started praying and seeking the face of God. You started giving thanks in the midst of the adversity that you were going through. And God has rocked his world. I could go through this room. Do you know that there's a power uh, that we can exchange, if you will, with one another in speaking a word of blessing over Rachel and Michael? Speaking a word of blessing over Mark and Linda? Speaking a word of blessing over Sandra and David? I could go through. Do you know there's, a, there's power in that? Proverbs says, like apples of gold on settings of silver is a kind word spoken in the right circumstance. One of the things we have the opportunity to do, D, is to bless one another. Nick said it not only at birthdays, but to just bless one another. Hey, I love you. I appreciate you, Jeff. Man, thanks for stepping in, man, to a difficult place, brother. When you shared your testimony, you're like, that was hard based on where I've been. And I'm like, but you did it. I mean, Jason, you coming back in here, you're stepping into it, brother, saying, I want my story to count. I, I want it to, to matter. You can bless one another today. There's people in this room that you go, I'm, I'm going to bless that. The Hamricks, man, I love you guys. I mean, Brendan is like a son to us. Caleb is like a son to y'all. And to see how God is bonding our families even through your oldest son and my youngest son. I mean, look at, look at God work on any given day. Bless one another today. We're going to move into a time of prayer, to a time of communion. Chet, let me say this, dude. You went through open heart. It's been a tough journey for you. You and Laura, it's been, it's, it's been so tough for you guys. But Chet was spearheading a counseling ministry. Chet was affiliated with another church for a long period of time. He went through a very difficult time. And Chet and I sat down in my office years ago, and I'm like, if Chet decides just to move to the mountains and disengage in local fellowship, I understand that. Been hurt, man, been bruised. And you know what? He got back in the game with us. And he serves faithfully. And he is a a warrior for the kingdom. And his body's taken a hit this year going through open heart surgery and some things. And he's had some battles. But y'all keep showing up. And you keep encouraging other people. And Chet, I want to say to you in front of all these people, I love you. And I'm so proud of you, Chet Fowler. So proud of you. There's battles taking place every day in people's lives that we have no clue about. 
There's always, Larry, one more piece of somebody's story. If you knew it, it would help bring some clarity to understanding what's going on with them. You look at Larry and Donna Lee. They've experienced battles. Hey, man, I want to be a part. I want to I have skin in the game. John and Crystal, you guys get it. There's so many in this room. Mike, Joe, you didn't throw the towel in. You stayed with it. Thank you.